and good afternoon and welcome 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 how's everybody today it's a rainy day in philadelphia i uh leslie how is it by you oh it's cloudy and overcast it actually is not raining for the first time in what feels like three weeks but it's only been about a week <laughs> um it's uh, <laughs> But on the eastern seaboard of the United States, uh, we are all underwater, and a hurricane is barreling towards the uh, Carolinas. So it's, uh, I think it's going to be some wet and stormy weather for quite some time. I think so, too. It's, uh, it's going to be absolutely crazy. I do know that. I'm, I'm worried about my family. Uh, that are in the way of this storm, and so I'm a little concerned for them. They mm -hmm. live in Wilmington, North Carolina, and they're supposed to be getting a direct hit with 13-foot um, waves or, you know, surge, water surge, mm -hmm. which is pretty deep, which is pretty deep. So yes, it concerned, is. A little concerned. But other than that, so I just came, I flew in from Toronto the other night, I was looking for Argyle socks, uh, beer, <laughs> and whatever else, and uh, Scotch, uh, beret, beret, and uh, Timbits, or a box of uh, Timmy's, and coffee, and uh, you know, we. Uh, I the only thing I will say is that I was in one restaurant. Um, my we were got a bunch of tickets for the film festival and one of the uh films that were we were went to was supposed to be hotel mumbai which is a very intense film if you have to if you go to see it mm -hmm. uh, they um i did get my picture taken though with J jason isaacs he's in the movie and because uh, i was on the uh red carpet line so i could get pictures whatever and uh he played malfoy in harry potter he was also in some Star Wars films and I think Star Trek Discovery. And mm -hmm. he was also in The Patriot with Mel Gibson. So, just as an FYI. So we know what's going on there. And, uh, but it was, it was interesting. So while my friends went into the movie because we could only get two tickets, I went and grabbed something to eat and walked around and I was sitting in a nice little restaurant. It was a Greek restaurant. I had the appetizer was really neat. It was like feta cheese and, and the black olives, which I love. And then, oh, sounds um, delicious. It was good. It was good. And then I had a spinach cheese pie and fresh vegetables uh, and, and stuff on my plate. And I'm eating. And so I took a picture of it, you know, and I said, well, you know, sitting here thinking maybe if it, as I was in the area yeah you know and I, but I put it on the black the the man in the black suit list because it you know Greek and I'm thinking of Acacia and Nicholas and Greece and they're headed supposed to be headed to Santorini so then I get this message back saying are you at Penelope's <laughs> like, where are you <laughs> and you're I love hello? it I love it. Yes. So you must have stumbled upon a restaurant that he frequents. Possibly. <laughs> did, you know, he was really great. I really have to thank SR. Uh, and I'm, I'll do it on the air. So SR, if you're listening, 
I want to thank you so much because you did give us some great advice as far as where our hotel was and also uh, places to eat. Now, Penelope's, he didn't list, but he did uh, list uh, in the distillery district of Toronto a restaurant that we went to the, on Sunday night. And I'll tell you what, it was an excellent place. Uh, mm -hmm. It's called El Citron. It's Mexican. This magnificent mural, it reminded me of, uh, I don't know if anybody has seen the movie Coco from Disney, where the uh -huh. little boy goes back to, it's like the Night of the Dead or something, and he goes back to find his ancestors. And But it's very colorful with the and with the skulls and the, the bright colors, you know, the oranges, the yellows, the reds. It was just, a, it was an incredible spot. And we, um, margaritas were fantastic. Uh, we had a skirt steak. Well, my, my, my friend Noreen has allergies to uh, gluten, nuts, and dairy. Oh, that would be difficult. Yeah. And so we were able to get something so for her, and it was really good. But, and she, she said it was fantastic. So uh, that was great. So I really want to thank SR for suggesting that place to us. We didn't get to the other place he suggested which was around the corner from um, uh, uh, Penelope's, but it was, uh, you know, just a, such so much going on in that town right now. We were, um, we went to well, see The Front Runner. Um, I, we saw uh, This Changes Everything, which was a documentary about women in film. Um, we saw The Public, which I actually voted for because uh, you're supposed to vote for the movies that you see. Mm -hmm. It was an incredible movie. It was Emilio Estevez. And oh, he's great. With an ensemble yeah. cast, there was Alec Baldwin, Jenna Malone, uh, Christian Slater. Uh, what's his name? Kenneth William. Brown? Yeah, I think no. it was. No, it wasn't Brown. Um, I forget his last name. I, I have a picture of it on my Facebook page. And... Mm. Um, it, it was just, it, it's like, it's reminded me of Crash. I don't know if you've ever saw the movie Crash with, with the ensemble cast that they had. Because mm -hmm. it got a little bit into the personal life of some of the main characters and surrounding the main story. So that was really good. And it's about a public library that's taken over by a group of homeless men in the winter when people are dying out on the streets. Oh my gosh. So, and you know, it's just the way it was done. It was just really, really, really good. Then we went to see um, Outlaw King. That's coming up on Netflix with Chris Pine. Oh, that sounds it, good. Yeah, that fed my Celtic soul a little bit. It was, <laughs> it was good. And um, what else we see? Hotel Mumbai. Hotel Mumbai. Public. Changes everything. Outlaw King. And the front runner was about the Gary Hart campaign when he was oh my gosh yeah so doesn't that good. sound like seem like a million years ago and, and yeah, everything yeah. you know everything that was such a um, scandal back then is now looks like it's you know tea and cookies <laughs> compared <laughs> to our political landscape today oh, yeah. um, we have had um, since since uh, Kenzie had been on Kaz and Karen has uh, have also joined us today and said hello, ladies. They've been make they've had some running commentary about 
the fact that Kenzie thinks that SR must have eaten at the uh, Penelope's before. And she also um, <laughs> said that if she were in Toronto, the first man she would see with Argyle socks, she would just scream and run and hug him, and it probably wouldn't be him. And <laughs> she says, I can't control myself with SR and you probably wouldn't appreciate some loony girl screaming and giving him a hug. <laughs> and, and Kenzie goes, the real question is, did you have any poutine or Timmy's? Uh, Timmy's, yes. Yes, inquiring Timmy's. minds want to know. On this trip, yes, I did have some Timmy's because there was a mm. place right across from the hotel. And which they're on every, Tim, you know, uh, Tim Hortons is on every corner. Um, I did not have any poutine on this trip, only because I... Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, the, poutine the, the list. We went, to, we went to a place for breakfast a couple times called Coors, which is really good. And they had poutine on the menu, but it was like we just wanted to eat and get going. So yeah, uh, I didn't have any poutine on this trip, but I do love it, and I have had it. So. <laughs> well, and Kenzie said she wouldn't... I'm thinking she wouldn't be surprised if Esther went and hid in his habit hole knowing Pam was searching the streets for him. <laughs> yes, and KK says, Kenzie, you are too funny. <laughs> well, one of the things that, you know, it's funny because when I when I put that put, that tweet out there about the, the Greek restaurant I was in, I never named it. And he came back right. and named the restaurant. And there was a man who was sitting like two tables over from me. He was by himself and he was on his phone. Very mm -hmm. handsome very handsome with a full head of hair but he did not have our <laughs> socks on um that that's know, because like, he knew he wasn't that was his costume his incognito was no yeah, socks I, I was like <laughs> is that I wonder, wouldn't it be funny if that was but anyway so when he told me i were, asked if i was at penelope's and i said yes and i said you didn't come by and say hello that's <laughs> <laughs> so all i got was a but it was good. That's it was so good. fun. It was good. We had uh, an interesting time. The subways are great. The public transportation is great. I didn't get to any of the, some of the sites I wanted to see, only because timing with these movies and everything. And then we were going to try to see A Star is Born. Um, and our when we were trying to get the tickets, they were sold out when we were trying to buy them. We went to the Lightbox ticket office. They were sold out there. And they told us we could do the rush line. You know, they have, if you're a ticket holder, you, you, you get into a line and you go in. But the, they have these rush lines. And if they have tickets available, they'll give, they'll sell you the ticket. And it's strictly cash, 20 for a regular, 40 for a premium ticket. And, oh, wow. Um, you know, then you just wait in the line. And we got in, we did the one movie in the morning on Saturday. And we were walking right by the rush line for A Star is Born. And it went down a block and around. Oh, so. I can only imagine. I mean, that is getting so much hype already. Mm -hmm. uh, and Kenzie said, yes, um, he was in SR was in disguise, Pam. Yes. Yes. I'm glad you had a fun and safe time. I'll keep your family in my thoughts, Pam, Thank as well you. as everyone else affected by Hurricane Florence. Yeah. Thanks, Kenzie. I think we all need to. Um, we all have, a lot of us have family and friends who might be directly affected. And so we're all monitoring the weather pattern very carefully. Yes. 
So, um, I'm so glad you had a great time. I did. And I, I think did. it's I, I think it's so cool um, that you actually got to go. Your pictures were awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and they were. And even, it made me want to go even more. <laughs> people are so friendly. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, and my friend Noreen packed like she was going to be away for two years as opposed to <laughs> four days. Of course. And, and um, so, you know, like we were teasing everybody, the cab driver who took us from the uh, hotel to the hotel and the mm-hmm. people at the hotel that were packed for asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once they <laughs> for asylum. And everybody <laughs> said that. And there was some U.S. bashing. I will admit to that to some people that we talked to, but that was only because they don't particularly like the the tariffs that are going to be put on and that Trump tweets that he's going to ruin the state of country of Canada. With yeah, that, that's that's so not very good neighborly. No, no. But um, yeah, and SR is going to be uh, going to see Lorena McKennett. Oh uh, yes. Uh, yes, and and I wanted to. I would love to go see. <laughs> like, him. He's not playing. She's not playing around here. Uh, I, but I, you know, I, I do hint at SR every now and then. And uh, that gets as far <laughs> as my dog will get me into see Lorena, Lorena McKinnon. <laughs> so, that's, that's pretty funny. Yes. yes. Um, I, I'm also seeing that Kez had said regarding the storm that in Oz, they're actually reporting on the news that the storm front is the size of the continent of Australia. I, yeah, that's I, stunning. I've, I've, I believe it, but... Like that's just stunning to me. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's it's pretty massive out there. So, you know, I'm sure we'll get some of it somewhere along the line coming when it tra- starts going, moving out. So, mm-hmm. anywho, my, my grass looks like it's about knee high to a, it's about up to my knees and it's too wet to cut. And <laughs> so it just looks absolutely awful. But that's my well, opinion. You can't help that, though, Pam. I mean, you know, it's just. Of course, it could have been done last week, but, Mom, it's too hot. But anyway. <laughs> so. Well, it was. And then it dropped 40 degrees. It's kind of crazy. It 40 crazy. degrees forever. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. So. Anywho, so let's get to some announcements. We have some. Yes, um, announcements. We, you know, obviously, we're still waiting. I'm still waiting to hear from Betty and Perling about their podcast. Uh, they're supposed to be doing Chapter 5, and I'm not sure what's going on there. I haven't heard from Betty. Uh, Trilogia de Gabrielle, they're obviously in Mexico doing their shows uh, around 3 p.m. Mexico time. Uh, Noites Influencia, I'll keep an eye out for them. Noites Influencia, they did their podcast last Thursday at 8 right. p.m. And I was able to join them for a few minutes just to say hi and good luck and welcome back, which was very nice. And I, I don't, I'm not sure whether they're on this Thursday or not. I think they might be. But the show is on, a, on their uh, website. If you go into Notches Influencia, they'll sort of 
you can get to it. And they even have a transcript of everything that was uh, said during the podcast because SR was a guest on it. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I have to take a look at that. Yeah. Um, Gabriel Forsby, is, I understand that uh, Richard and uh, Gabriel finally got off the porch. Not sure what they're doing now, but they are off the porch, which is a good thing. And uh, there are some translations coming out. Uh, SR hasn't been able to announce them yet, and when he can, he will. Uh, let's see, Passion Flicks. Uh, they, uh, I think they're trying to get a screen, uh, a screen script done this fall sometime, but shooting if should st- take place next next fall in September, I think they're hoping for. Oh my gosh. So that's when we all have to go, ladies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's when we all have to go. What do you think? <laughs> he will He will be incognito. You know he that. Will he will be. Um, also, Stardust Over Florence. Uh, part one is on fanfiction.net uh, that you can go into. He's under Sebastian Robichaud. I believe that was his fan fiction name when he wrote the Gabriel series originally. Mm -hmm. And part two of that story will be included in Babies at the Border, uh, which is a a really cool thing. They've got over $7,000 now collected for Babies at the Border, which is, uh, there are, I think, four different charities, the Kind Fund, ACLU, some uh, children's charity. Um, It's all listed in there. And uh, you make a donation of $10 at least and then send them the donation and you get back the whole compilation. I mm-hmm. know MJ's going to be involved in it now. I know. I just saw that big announcement from her. I think that's great. And uh, Effie is also involved. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. And oh, Kenzie, and I yes. Saw that, uh, I, I, I'm sorry I didn't get back to you sooner on that, but I knew I couldn't find it. And I got tied up with some other stuff, and I saw that SR put that Playboy interview out for you today. So that was uh, that was cool. I I remember reading it a long while ago. You know who mentioned it? I think Jennifer Locklear had mentioned it on some podcast mm-hmm. that she was on, probably a year or two mm-hmm. ago. And man, I thought it was such a great interview because. Like you, Kenzie, when I first uh, discovered this author, I was like, I've got to try and read everything I can possibly find on this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just thought it was really, really good. And I just thought, what a what a wonderful story, you know. That just So I'm glad uh, KK said yes. He posted it on his Facebook today. So, yeah. I don't uh, know whether it's um, on the author's page or in SR's Fox's Den. But, um, but I do know it's on one of those two, so. Uh, that's great. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to uh, reread it mm-hmm. <laughs> in my spare, in my copious spare time. Copious spare time. Also, SR <laughs> is going to be on a chat tomorrow night at 7 p.m. It's Love and Lattes. It's a Facebook group, and you do have to join that group in order to get in on the uh, the chat. So. They are our wonderful announcements this week. Yes, yes. And Kenzie had just said yes. He talked about Twilight in the interview, and he never really um, 
and she never really saw him talk about it. And it was, when uh, she was wondering about his twilight journey. So yeah, I think it, it fills in some great uh, pieces of his early, uh, early uh, writing career, um, which is so cool. And, and so much has evolved since that time. Um, you know, it's, it's really quite remarkable. There is, um, there is a great show on PBS, um, which I don't know, um, for those of you in the U S um, it's the public broadcasting, um, stations, um, are doing the, uh, show called the great American, uh, read. Um, and let me see. I had just, I pulled it up and I just lost it for a minute. Um, it's talking about, it, it's, it's, it's something that they've been doing. Um, I think this is the second or third year they've done it. I may have been, I might be wrong on the timing of it, but uh, there's a broadcast. They have people through the libraries in the U.S. vote on their top 100 books. You can vote on it, too. I've gone in and voted a few times. Uh, well, and I think now they narrowed it to the 100, and then they're going to have you vote on um, even more. The Great American Read, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's America's 100 Best Loved Novels. And uh, it's an eight-part series on uh, public tele- American public television that explores and celebrates the power of reading told through the prism of America's 100 best-loved novels as chosen in a national survey. It talks about why writers create their fictional worlds, how we as readers are affected by these stories, and what these 100 different books have to say about our diverse nation and our shared human experience. And the books so, are very diverse, too. That, you know, they are. They are. There is going to be a show just on romance, on the romance genre. Because um, I know Erica uh, Kane, or E.L. James's novels in there. The and Twilight. Those are the two. Twilight. Yes. Um, and some, and, and some you know, obvious. some of the obvious classics like uh, Rebecca and I think mm-hmm. I think Jane Eyre maybe. Jane Eyre's in there. No, it's, Grapes of Wrath. A lot of John Steinbeck is in there. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, uh, Anne Rhine's um, uh, thing she did in uh, Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged is in it. Uh, there's all kinds of books in there. So yeah, it, it, I've been been looking at it. It's really good. And I'm posting a link right now in the chat room. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, hopefully it'll work. Then you can just see at least what it, it takes you to the the site that talks about the, the series and the books and all that kind of stuff so SR's not on it yet no, but, <laughs> but I time. have faith I have faith I have faith too um, I keep trying to yeah. get, uh, e- you know e- like sending emails off to um, a couple pe- well Oprah because she's got her big book club and a couple of others that are doing book clubs and uh, you know suggesting SR's books. I know that's <laughs> that. I think it's good. Oh, and Kenzie said, "Are you are you guys excited that Twilight will be coming back into 
theaters in October for the 10-year anniversary. Well, Kenzie, thank you for the heads up, girl, because I did not realize that. My kids are going to be out of their minds. And I'm excited because I think that would be fun to see in the theater. Um, I have yet to read the Twilight series. Shocking as it may be. Um, so this might inspire me to actually read the books before going to see them on the big screen. I, I have seen all the movies um, because I have two uh, daughters who were obsessed. Um, and Kenzie says she has her Edward Cullen shirt from 2008 ready. She's surprised it still fits, and I can't believe it's been 10 years. I'm shocked by that, Kenzie. I cannot believe it's been 10 years. Robert Pattinson wow. was at uh, TIFF this weekend. Ah, uh, yes. Did you... What, is he promoting a film, or was he just yeah, in the scene? Yeah, I think he was the promoting scene? a film. I forget what it was. <laughs> You know, the thing was is that you with the celebrities, it was very hard because they have this one spot um, at the light box, which was, um, which is a massive building, and they were taught they were doing press and stuff. A lot of them in there, and you never saw them, so you knew they kept if they would go into the light box, they were going through a back door someplace. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, last Thursday night, Bradley Cooper was run walking around on the streets. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, you can see him in Philly on game day. Come on. And Dev Patel was, he was walking around. He, at the premiere, he was all dressed up, but he was walking around. But it's, it's weird because none of us ever really got to see anybody. Jamie Dornan was there. Jamie Dornan was there on Sunday. Oh my gosh. On, he left to go to, or I'm sorry, Saturday. And then he left to go to New York to do something in New York Sunday. And he came back Monday. And if, wow. we, had, if we had gotten delayed, uh, my friend Noreen and I were going to get tickets for this uh, Women in the World because he was on a panel for his movie, A Private War, um, with uh, Rosamund Pike about uh, the Marie Colvin. The, the war photographer who uh, lost oh. her life. So we wow. were like, disappointed that we didn't get to see that. And that Private War was a last-minute replacement for another movie, from what I understand. So. Wow. Very cool. Um, yeah, I I just, yeah, I, I, I just think it would be incredible. Um, and, and regarding uh, Twilight, she said, so nostalgic about the 10 years, Kenzie said. I saw them in 2008, the day after came out Karen did as well and Kenzie mentioned she then I read the books after I picked them up from Target the next day and my life was forever changed KK says Robert Pattinson new movie is Damsel mm -hmm. ah very good we'll have lots lots of films to watch this fall oh, I have to say though I saw a cast interview for um, Bradley Cooper's film um, A Star is Born which you know is a remake mm -hmm. um probably remake number four of that story yes, if i'm counting correctly yes. um and i was i have to say i was moved it was it was a, it, there were four principals in the cast that were interviewed uh, obviously uh lady gaga and bradley and then and there were t there were two others and the way oh inclu including sam waterston mm -hmm. and the way they interacted was so you, you could just tell they were very very closely knit there was a lot of praise for bradley cooper as a director 
um, it was it was very moving. It was I think on ABC uh, morning news. So um, if you'd want to find that interview, it was very very moving. Uh, Kenzie says she's excited for Mary Shelley's Frankenstein coming out. True. And KK confirmed that it was yes number four. Thanks, Karen. The first one was Frederick March and Janet Gaynor. The second one was James Mason and Judy Garland. Judy Garland. And the third one was uh, Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. Yep. And this one, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. And, you know, I, although I said I don't know if I'm going to go see it because I don't, I think the story itself is just so uh, heart-wrenching. Yeah. Um, I, how can I not go see it, right? Like, how can yeah. I not? There's, there, I have to. So. So, Pam. Yes. We should probably start talking about this chapter. It was a big one. It was a big one, and it's a good one. But you had so much, there was so much excitement going on outside of uh, uh, beyond our chapter this week with you going to Toronto, um, SR's home, and you know, uh, stomping grounds, and uh, with the Toronto Film Festival and all the all the celebrities and pop culture swirling around you so um this was a really really good chapter though i really i enjoyed it immensely and um we did ask a couple questions of sr that um we can we'll be able to share with, with you as well as we begin cool. so with that as you know we begin chapter 26 uh right after Nicholas had this apparition. Um, when we left him, he had been very tired. He had walked Acacia after she had her midnight swim, walked her to the room. Or actually, no, I was wrong. He, it was the next night after he had been in, uh, in Zurich on business. He was checking, he walked up to see if Acacia was still awake. He didn't hear any noise in her, her room. So he was walking down the stairs to go to sleep when his mother appeared on the stairs. So that is how chapter 25 ended when he says, Mama. So 26 begins in the morning with Acacia waking up. She had decided to swim laps for half an hour, enjoying the beauty around her in the Alps. And I had actually, we had actually asked SR, and as he was being very detailed about his descriptions, um, I had said when, in the opening paragraph when Acacia was swimming, what suit did you envision her wearing? Um, and he said initially in, in the earlier chapter, Acacia doesn't have a bathing suit with her, but in uh, chapter 26, I mentioned that she went swimming. I believe it would be the suit that I mentioned when she was in Santorini. So stay tuned on that one. Um, because as we, as she returned to her room, she got dressed for her trip to Santorini. And he was very, very detailed about the clothes and about the shoes in particular. As SR is apt to be. Um, he, I, think it, I think he is a fan of fine, um, fine shoes. So she was dressed in white slacks, yellow shirt, short sleeves, bronze sandals, and just for the fun of it, a scarf belt. As she arrived down stairs, 
and was walking towards the terrace, she heard voices. Um, she noticed that Nicholas was not sitting in his usual place. As soon as she walked across the ter- terrace, she saw a very attractive older woman with shoulder-length blonde hair and blue eyes that turned to Acacia. Nicholas went to her side to pull out her chair and then made the introductions. Mama, this is Acacia Santos. Acacia, this is my mother, Elena Kasser. She smiled and said politely, I'm pleased to meet you. And you, mademoiselle. So Acacia walks in. I mean, just think about this. She had gone to bed, rested peacefully, woke up, was getting ready for the the flight to Greece because she was told that she was going to be going on this business trip. And she wakes up and... uh, Nicholas's mother sitting there. So Acacia apologized for interrupting, um, but Madame Casser assured her they were expecting her. As Nicholas pulled her chair out, he told her that his parents came home unexpectedly during the night from Tahiti. And Madame Casser apologized that her husband was sleeping in and wouldn't be joining them. She was very interested in Acacia and was gazing at her. Obviously, she's sizing her up, right? She wants to know, who is this woman who my husband brought home, to, who my son brought home? Um, Nicholas sat as Gretel came over to serve coffee, orange juice, and champagne. Um, Madame Casser was celebrating since she had not seen Nicholas, had a special celebratory cocktail, um, as she mentioned, and we actually asked SR about that as well. Um, was the celebratory drink Helena referenced solely for Nicholas or for the fact that he brought Acacia with him? And SR said, I think Madame Kessler's celebratory drink is because she is with her son again and he's home. It's implied he doesn't come home too often, Mm -hmm. which is very, very true. So It's a son thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and well, especially with the backstory, you kind of understand on this particular one. She was happy to see him, though. And Nicholas had mentioned that they were going to delay their trip to Greece for one day since his parents were home. Acacia asked Madame Casserer how was her trip from Tahiti. She said, long. Tahiti was a magical place, but getting to and from is very, very daunting. Um, Cassia complimented her home and her hospitality. And Madame replied that every time they go away, she forgets how lovely it is and their beautiful home. Most of the time, there's only staff there, and she was very pleased to have Nicholas and Acacia there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Acacia keeps avoiding Nicholas's glances because he's kind of like trying to tell her something, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'll tell you what. I wish I was sitting there. That sounds like heaven. I, I yeah, I would have killed. I would have killed him. <laughs> Listen, did, true story. I remember one night I gave a friend a ride home, a male friend, a ride to his house. It was very late at night. He says, why don't you spend the night here and so you don't have to drive back? And I'm like, well, okay. He lived at home. And, so mm-hmm. he's, and this was in the Bronx. And he lived in this it was a neat house big house but 
you went up to the bedrooms and I think his was down at one end he had sisters and but you had to go to, to the, the room I was sleeping in you had to go through another bedroom another bedroom would have to go through the room I was sleeping in so uh -huh. and I, I'm like oh my god you know but <laughs> it was it was 4 30 quarter five in the morning I said fine I get in the bed I slept I woke up I don't know what time was somebody walking through and, and one of his I don't know there was a sister or brother walked through and uh, he, he came in he's like oh you're awake good good you know and I was like I was so embarrassed you know, uh -huh. it was innocent it was totally innocent but it was so embarrassed so I can I, I can understand how she felt walking into that dining room <laughs> I can only imagine yeah, well, he made me a nice breakfast, too. Squeezed fresh orange juice was nice, but nonetheless. Anyway. <laughs> Another <laughs> chapter for your book, Pam. <laughs> Something like that, yep. <laughs> so, Acacia kept avoiding Nicholas's glances, and she didn't want to have the silent conversation with him. And she tried to keep it light, but she didn't like surprises. And after their breakfast, Madame Cassidy asked if she'd like to go for a walk with her <laughs> to get to know you <laughs> that's right and uh, she was surprised but agreed so Madame Casserole was she was happy about that she got Nicholas helped her out of her chair she patted his face kissed both his cheeks and and then Nicholas helped Acacia from her chair and whispered I didn't know they were coming <laughs> as, his mother, <laughs> as his mother was watching so she gave him a nod, you know, and he'll see her later, hopefully, he said. And what, the mother going to kill her? <laughs> or, or is she going to run away from now? So she did not have the right to, to be put out because of Castor's. The Castor's had returned to their home. And she didn't want Nicholas to mistake her discomfort for peevishness. So she caught... She, she caught his mother gazing at both of them and she, with a smile and uh, you know mothers know their children now you know what's going on no matter what mm -hmm. and, uh, he, so he stood aside as she walked over to his mother and, and who was 5 foot 11 that was, that was how tall my father was and then mm. and being elegantly dressed of course head to toe I'm sure Chanel and uh, she asked if Cassie if her shoes were comfortable she said yes and that, that's how she looked at, uh, uh, at Madame Kasser's uh, shoes and saw the interlocking seeds. So only Chanel. Uh, Chanel. Chanel is the best. Yes. And once again, a nod to the footwear. Of course. Uh, SR. And I did ask him, but he didn't, he didn't answer my question on that one. <laughs> I asked him. I asked him about the footwear. I said, again, as in many of your books, you pay attention and homage to quality footwear, which is one of my personal faves. Any comments or thoughts you would like to share on this point? Winky face. Yes, yes. So. <laughs> so as they're walking along the path, uh, you know, you can hear the, the pea gravel crumbling under their feet. Madame Castro asked how long, had, where, where did she meet her son? And uh, she said, she told her at the hotel in Paris that she worked in, she was a concierge. When asked which one, she said the Hotel Vitois. 
and uh, Madam Castor knew that hotel because they had a flat in the neighbor, same neighborhood. That's right. And Kenzie said she loves the scene. And she said, I don't understand what is so sexy, but I guess, haha. <laughs> Men love shoes. Men love shoes, high heels. I don't know why. Because mm -hmm. they're the most damn things, the worst, most uncomfortable things I've ever had. <laughs> I haven't stopped wearing them when I was in high school, believe it or not. So. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. See, I, I, I love them. I love them. I still wear them, but less and less opportunity now. I was um, I was a hippie. I would have. I, I wore no shoes. <laughs> I was going to say Indian you wore no shoes. Indian Kenzie Marcus. says yes. She says my toes felt they would fall like they'd fall off if and they were being squished and her arch hurt. Yes. I actually though it depends on the shoes. Honest to goodness, I've had a pair of heels that were so comfortable I could run in them and I'm not even lying. So it just depends if you get the right the right footwear and the right fit. Um, not not normal, but she said she likes the look of boots with heels. And, and Joni just joined us. So hello Joni. I, I can't wear them. I can't wear them. I can't wear them at all. They my ankles and since I screwed up my knee, I forget it. I can't mm. Can't even yeah. Them. So. No, no, that's yeah. You got to watch that. That's that's a big problem with the heels. Yeah. They're not really er ergonomically sound. Hello, Danny. It's good to see you. Although, if you go to the Salvatore Ferragamo store, they will do your feet for you. They will take a, they will measure your feet and create a mold, and then um, they will make your shoes for you, so they will always be comfortable. Uh, Megan Markle, and then you wear shoes that I think are one or two sizes too big, because when your feet swell, then you won't—they won't hurt either. Of course, you're oh. big to uh, try to keep them on your feet. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. We digress. Sorry, <laughs> we went down the the, the shoe the shoe uh, the shoe hole the shoe rabbit the shoe rabbit, the shoe rabbit hole. hole. <laughs> so, um, when she she after she uh, talked about where about where her apartment was. She said that she felt like uh, concierges were well-educated and asked if she had studied in Paris. Acacia told her that she had studied at the Sorbonne and saw the look of sadness that crossed his, her, his mother, Nicholas's mother's face. And she told Acacia that her daughter had studied there. Maybe she knew her. And then mm -hmm. realized that the da her daughter being older than Nicholas, that she, you know, Kasi was probably there after she had already left. Um, Kasi told her that uh, Nicholas had taken her to the gallery, and she must she must be very proud of Riva's work. Uh, this surprised her. She, it's because she turned it to Kasi and asked if Nicholas had taken her, and because he hadn't been there in years, none of them had. And Acacia mm -hmm. wasn't sure what to do with that information. Yeah, I, I mean, that's something you would tuck away, but, I mean, how do you respond to that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. And, you know, I love this part of the story because his mom was checking her out to see if she was a good person, to see if it was good for her son. And, mm -hmm. you know, and the mom, could, mom could see the spark between them. Oh, yes. Even if they hadn't recognized it, uh, they... You know, she could see that. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. 
I was just gonna say I I liked the I liked the fact that they had that I, I that the mom had already noticed the chemistry between them, mm-hmm. and you know I just thought that was very very cool, and uh, one of the things that. Uh, we had asked SR because they were talking about Paris and I know we've had hinted on this before, but we had asked him if he explored the Latin quarter in Sorbonne when researching. And he said, yes, I did. He said, I did a lot of research in Paris before writing TMITBS. And I wandered around quite a bit taking notes and photos. So I could totally see him doing that. And as the, as the story continues, Acacia walking with his mother wondered if his mother knew of his various activities. And they were continuing down the path when they came across a lamppost. Um, As they reached it, Madame Bishop said, I have a confession to make. And Acosta was ready for it. She told her Nicholas had brought someone home and, and that the staff told her that it was an attractive young woman, so she knew she had to fly back immediately to meet her. Um, she said it had been such a long time that Nicholas had brought anyone home and that Acacia was even lovelier than she had imagined, which wow. Right. Talk about a confession. That's, that's something that's, that's pretty big for someone who you just met uh, to, to share, you know, and, and think about that. The fact the staff mentioned this and they flew from Tahiti so she could be, in the house to meet her. That's, I think that's very telling. So this information flustered Acacia and she didn't really know what to make of this confession. She told her that she was very kind, but had to, you know, be very clear with her that there was nothing romantic going on between Nicholas and her. Um, And she said he had asked her to help with concierge services during his trip. And Madame replied that he would not have taken, uh, would not have taken her to the gallery if they were only colleagues, and the gallery because the gallery represents too much pain, sadness, and loss. And she said also, it's about time that he became friends with a woman of substance, which I love that. I love that yeah. part. I love the part she was recognized as the the, the amazing person that she was. Um. And frankly, Madame said she was happy and was not going to be persuaded otherwise. Acacia was being very polite and kept quiet. She didn't want to push back. Um, but she could not help but think how different Nicholas's mother was uh, from the lady in Lyon who was so rude and racist um, earlier in the book. Uh, Acacia really liked Nicholas's mother because she had been most welcoming and very gracious. I loved that scene. I thought that was so, so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Madame Cassarer looked at the lamppost and asked Acacia what time, or, uh, and asked Acacia what this was. Uh, so I, I kind of liked getting into this, this section as well. Um, and I'm sure Acacia's mind was still racing. She's thinking, of course, I'm, I'm not romantically involved with this guy and here's his mother already being very perceptive and seeing that there's definitely something going on between them even if they don't realize it yet um 
So Acacia was looking at this lamppost and she felt that was a bit out of place having this lamppost in the middle of the walking space. She said it, it was as if it were a place there out of fancy. She then said it looked like a lamppost from one of her favorite stories. And Madame asked which one. And of course she said, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And yes, and and um, I actually, we had asked SR, he said, you referenced the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe via the conversation um, during the walk. Why did you choose to mention this story in this chapter? And he said he liked the idea of an image of a lamppost set in a wood. He encountered one once on his travels and found it fascinating. So I thought that was cool. I love the way he weaved that into this. Oh, yeah. um, and so as Madame uh, was commenting to Acacia, she said that that book was Riva's favorite story. And that Riva would come out looking for Aslan. And she also told Acacia that her husband's family had actually redone the driveway um, and had the road dug up and planted grass, but left the light post there, um, which is why it was kind of in a place that was unexpected. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then uh, Madame went on to ask Acacia if Nicholas had told her about Riva. And Acacia told her a little and had told her how she had opened the gallery for the various capabilities and that it impressed her quite a bit. Madame Cassar said that Nicholas must have done that in a that Nicholas must have done that and she was obviously quite taken um, not realizing that. Cassie went on to tell her some of the exhibit had been produced in Braille so even the visually impaired could enjoy the work. And they also had a once a month hosting of people um, who had dementia and Alzheimer's and their caregivers uh, playing music so they could sit and enjoy the art. She did not know because she had not been to the gallery in a long while. Um, Madame went on to explain to Acacia that they focused on Riva's absence so much. Um, she actually avoids the gallery, but she needed to visit, and uh, she was going to do that now, saying Acacia is such a wonder. And I was very struck by this, too, because it seemed like Acacia was almost a force for transformation, not only with um, Nicholas, but with his family. It seemed, and it seemed that way, yeah. Yes, and, and Kenzie had said, I think it was a nod to Narnia, one of yes. SR's favorite novels. And yes, it definitely was. And and also, you know, um, not unusual that he included um, that. And I just love the way he weaves things in. Mm-hmm. It was really, really he's great. Very, he's very, that's what I love, one of the things I love about his writing. He, he weaves different things into his stories whether it be like the Dante a Divine Comedy with Gabriel series or any of the um, you know background for power in the Florentine series you know mm-hmm. based on you know uh, Marcus Aurelius and, and Sun Tzu and all and then like this he'd be I, I found that you know it, it's not just Narnia, but he also brings in Greek mythology too, mm-hmm. and, uh, which I've always enjoyed. So I love the way he does that. So yes, be in the next book. 
<laughs> I know, I know. And Kenzie also loves when he does it. Edith P.F. Lovely. So I, I just, I know, I love it. I love it. She um, needed to, she, I, I guess Madame was really taken with this and um, was inspired by what Acacia said um, was done, being done in their gallery. And Acacia had told her that she studied art and Madame asked which period and Acacia said Impressionism was her favorite. And Madame agreed that Impressionism was her favorite as well and started to tell her about the Degas. And Acacia shared with her what Nicholas had told her about the robbery. And that really took Madame off guard. It surprised her that the fact that he had shared that with Acacia. And it was very powerful to me. You can tell how profound that event shook the core of their family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she wasn't able able to speak of the robbery and um that sh- that em- emphasizes how much trust she had nicholas had in acacia yeah most definitely so she so acacia said that uh she she told acacia that she was a kind girl and asked her to have tea, a tea party with her and kind of persuaded her into it uh acacia was delighted with that fact so that if they went back to the house Mm-hmm. Later in the evening, after his parents retired, uh, Nicholas and Akasi were sitting at the edge of the pool, just sort of dangling their feet in the water. And they had gotten dressed for dinner at the request of his parents. You know, and she's got a gown on, and he's got a nice suit and tie, and, you know, his tie's undone, the jacket's off, and I'm sure he has his pants rolled up so that he can be have his feet in the water. And, uh, oh, you can just see this on the screen, can't you? Uh, uh, yes, yes. I love the it. Nice, you know, the silver champagne bucket there and the mm-hmm. champagne between them. And, you know, so they were uh, drinking it. And she's sitting, sort of daydreaming a little bit. She could never imagine being in such a, a quiet, beautiful night under the stars in such a beautiful place as she was right then. So Nicholas finally broke the silence with her and... and uh, he, he told her, he says, you know, it did. He didn't know that they were coming home. And a breeze uh, flew a wisp of her hair into her lipstick. And I, I love this, you know, because he mm-hmm. very gently went over and pu- probably pulled it away from her cheek so it would get out of her lipstick and push her hair behind her ear. Um, he just had to touch her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had to touch her. It was so important for it and, and a good way, too. Mm-hmm. So she thanked him and she saluted him with her champagne. Uh, Nicholas also thanked her for being so very patient and charming with his parents and thanking thanking her for indulging his mother in the tea party. And Cassia says, you know, she misses Riva. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his eyes were so filled with gratitude at the time when he was saying that. Um, Cassia assured him it was not a chore, that she had not been to a tea party for a long time. And besides, his mother lent her a hat. A I love hat. it. That was worn at Ascot. I love it. I love it. That, yeah. Yes, and, and Joni was saying, as you were describing them dangling their feet in the water, that she thinks feet are sexy. So I think that whole scene is just 
building the building the tension, building the uh, attraction. Yes, yes. So, uh, Nick, Nick, Nicholas told her that all these things, the walk, the tea party, the interior design of her apartment were all things that she would have done with Riva. And Nicasia said, you know, his mother misses Riva. And Nicholas admitted that she did not know how to talk to his mother after all this had happened and asked about Acacia's mother. Acacia told her that her mother was strict, serious, mm-hmm. and but loves her fiercely. Now, Nicholas mm-hmm. liked that, especially the fiercely part. And he said that his mother was fierce, a Rottweiler in Chanel. <laughs> I know, I love that description. Acacia threw her head back and she's laughing very hard and it was absurd to think of his mother as a Rottweiler mm-hmm. so, so Kenzie's saying Esther would be incredible at writing poetry or a fantasy novel with the way he writes and world builds in contemporary usually authors don't write much of world uh, building in contemporary because I think they assume people know what this place looks places look like but SR does it in such a vivid way that you actually feel like you're there and have visited there even when you haven't. Uh, the way SR writes Absolutely. Romance, yeah. Makes me wonder what his relationships are like. So jealous. I have thought that many, many times. <laughs> Kenzie, you are not alone. I think I think most of his readers are um, always think about what a lucky person um would what what a lucky person has the attention of uh, SR? That's true. Most definitely. I think though your your point about the world building and the, I think that's another reason why so many people are um, enthralled with his writing because he is so descriptive and he does set the stage. Um, and and I know people have made comments about they feel like they've been able to travel through reading his work. So. Really, really great, and Absolutely. she also loves that line. I got to the bird, the uh, bird, the eagle and child in Oxford because of his writing, mm-hmm. and I knew the rooms as I walked into this. Walked into the uh, pub. There's two little rooms off to the side, and you know, you knew that um, Julia and Professor Picton had been in there, and you walked up to the the bar to get your your um, your pint and the room where uh, at C.S. Lewis and and well, all the Inklings would sit in and discuss the world around them and everything. So yeah, I, and then that was all just from reading it in the Gabriel series. Right. You could imagine it. So yeah, yeah, and and our our little traipsing through <laughs> traipsing through Salem's Grove yeah, yeah, <laughs> at the university. Still looking for the apple orchard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a little detour there, Pam. Yes, we did. We did. But yeah, but even in Florence, I mean, you, when you, when I was in Florence, because of the where the you know you described the the Uffizi and all the the little, I'm still trying to figure out which statue of the Uffizi Uffizi he was. They were in what room? Um, but you know, I mean, you can you, you just from reading you visualize it and then when you get there it's like it's just it, that's the way it is it was just so cool it just it's so a cool. real it's a real talent and a real gift mm-hmm. so 
Yes, Kenzie said one time someone asked him what he was doing for Valentine's Day and he just responded with sex and he said he sketches sexual content but involves another person. So I definitely believe there is someone. It would be insane if he didn't, but she is probably equally just as wonderful. Uh, I wish I could visit Pennsylvania. Come on over, yeah, Kenzie. Come over. We're, we're glad to have you here. <laughs> we'll take you oh, yeah. Tour. I didn't, when I was in Toronto, I didn't get to take the tour, the Gabriel tour. Mm. Oh, no. no. I, I'm glad you didn't. I would be, no, save my, I would be hurt. Save it for me. We will, we, <laughs> <laughs> we did Sealand's Grove. We have to go to Toronto and we That's technically exactly. should go to Philly and go to St. Joe's and traipse around St. Joe's campus. Um, we we might that. have to do that. We should do that if yeah, I ever get, <laughs> if I, yeah. I've been. I, I actually technically did take a tour of St. Joe's. My daughter was looking at St. Joe's for college, so they, they, you know, we did a to little walkabout. A college party there in my younger days. I have no another chapter for your book, Pam. <laughs> so Kenzie, um, uh, Kenzie said maybe we can all go fall of 2019 because uh, <laughs> she needs to go with on the uh, Toronto tour. Yes, Kez agrees. Oh my gosh, that's a year, guys. That's not much. That's like, that's not far from now. No, you think yet. about it. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. So, Nicholas had uh, remarked how beautiful her laughter was. And when asked, uh, he told her, she told him that it was a laugh. So she smoothed the hem of her dress so it wouldn't get wet. And, but it wasn't, and it wasn't in her place to say this, but she told Nicholas that she thought his mother missed him a lot. Mm -hmm. And Nicholas said she knew where to find me. <laughs> That's spoken like a true son, isn't it? Uh-huh. I can imagine someone upstairs <laughs> right now saying that. Um, yep. And then Akasa reminded him that it is a two-way street. And as soon as she heard that he was here, as Nicholas told her, he, she mm -hmm. rushed home. Nicholas said they both knew why they why she had rushed home. It was because of Acacia. <laughs> That's right. So when Nicholas danced with his mother, Acacia noticed how much she wanted to be with him. She was smiling and she was happy that he was home. And then Nicholas looked at Acacia out of the corner of his eye saying, you wouldn't dance with me. Yeah, that's, that's laying down the gauntlet, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Acacia told him that she felt that it was inappropriate. She had explained that to his parents that she worked for him. And Nicholas said, perhaps, uh, perhaps not, but friends dance. And in a low tone, so not to offend, she said that they weren't friends, really. He looked at his feet and said, yeah, right. Then she playfully nudged him with her elbow for, <laughs> and she said, for all you know, I have an incredibly long list of faults. <laughs> he highly doubted that and refilled her glasses. Acacia also told him that his mother did not know about the accessibility programs at the gallery. Nicholas told her that they had stopped talking about the gallery after what had happened, which is understandable. I mean, that was a really traumatic thing, don't you think? Definitely. Mm -hmm. And Acacia told him he should be proud of what he has done. He bobbed his head and did not say anything. But Acacia told him that art is for everyone, and without access, it becomes elitist. 
Very true. Um, Nicholas said that is exactly what his sister used to say. She thought art was a necessity, not a luxury, um, which I fully support and agree in. I think people have lost perspective of where art should be in our society. And uh, I feel like this is a great reminder that art is a necessary part of our existence. She instituted a policy of open admission. One day each month, they would provide free admission to the gallery. Acacia wished other galleries did that. And she placed her champagne down and clasped her fingers on her lap. She did not understand what it was like to lose a sister. And she told him she had his deep, her deepest sympathy. Nicholas thanked her. A loss like that can't be repaired or forgotten. There will always be an absence, but her observation is that many people find meaning and purpose by focusing on a loved one's legacy, by ensuring he or she isn't forgotten. Whether Nicholas's mother believed it or not, he is building his sister's legacy, expanding programs that she started. He also had devoted herself to finding, he has also devoted himself to finding the stolen art. His parents were not able to do that, so he is doing that. He should be proud not only of his family and his sister, but of himself. And, you know, she went on to say that his devotion and hard work are very noble. And they are. And, you know, I, I agree with that whole concept. I know when I was in um, the Louvre and when I was in Uffizi, and mm -hmm. the barns here in Philadelphia, they do have that Braille um, spots where you can go and you can actually feel what that art piece might look like. And each room has a little card that tells you what the painting is where, but they also have it in Braille, which is really, really neat, um, so that you know what paintings are in what particular room. So it's, it's very cool. So he was troubled, and though his eyes met hers, and he responded that he had failed. Uh, when Acacia asked how you ha have you failed, he told her that he had not found the artwork or brought the killers to justice. She sighed, looked to the heavens, and was quiet a moment, and then asked, Do you know the story of Scythius? Nicholas had told her that he had read Camus, and, but that wasn't the version she was thinking of. She was thinking of the version by Homer. Um, the myth of, in Homer, the Homer version is that Cepheus rolled a boulder up a hill. And Zeus causes the boulder to fall down every time they get he gets up to the top. And he would only have to roll it back up again. This would be repeated for eternity. Nicholas didn't understand the story, how the story pertained to him and while they were talking about it. And Cassia told him that it was praiseworthy. Cepheus' perseverance and resilience is what we admire. The courageousness and, and no, noble to be determined, so determined of others and ourselves. And she told him that she hopes his quest for justice is successful. But even if it isn't, there is courage in the quest. And she admired that. I but, love that. I just love that whole reference. And I love the fact that... Um, you know, here she is. I mean, she is really 
although unknowingly, laying out all the things that she finds very attractive and remarkable about him. So Nicholas uh, did not want to be made into Cepheus, drinking half the glass of his champagne back real quick. Uh, I can't make you anything, Acacia whispered, but I recognize nobility and courage when I see it. He sighed and he hung his head. She told him, you only fail when you give up. Every time Cepheus places his shoulder against the boulder and rolls it up the hill, it's a victory over the gods. It doesn't break him. And Nicholas's mission is to find the family artwork. It's his honor to his parents, his sister for not giving up. It's a noble victory. And he nodded. She then yes. put his champagne glass, her champagne glass next to his, said, friends. He looked at her in the eye and said, friends. They clinked and drank. And he thanked her, which she said that you're welcome. Ah, <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. Yes, uh, Joni said SR has made her want to go to the Philadelphia museums. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I agree. I still haven't been to the Barnes. I really want to go there. Oh, the Barnes is fantastic. And, uh, I'm hoping, quite a few times. hoping to get there. And uh, Kenzie said she wants to scream to everyone to read SR's novel, but at the same time, she wants to keep him to herself. <laughs> Kenzie, I feel and, the same way. <laughs> and yes, that is SR's notifications that you're hearing coming up on my phone. <laughs> I, I think he's uh, done about 20 of them already. <laughs> Different things. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Lots of good things going on. Yeah. And, you know, just making sure that people have the information for the Red Cross in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, being, being kindness, giving kindness the way only he can do it. That's right, because as we know, kindness is never wasted. That's correct. That is correct. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so that's what we had for this week. I know. Yeah, it, it's a wonderful, it was a wonderful chapter, and I'm so glad that his mother showed up. I really am. I think that, um, I, I think her presence adds a little something to the story as far as, you know, Nicholas is now sort of not the top dog, so to speak, you know, because mom's there. And right. Not that mom's the top dog, but she is the top dog. All moms are. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I honestly, I do think it also having an external element um, into the story and someone who can recognize um, what, what, uh, light and energy and positive change, uh, Akasi is actually making not only for, to her son and for her son, but for their family. True. So I think, Kez, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty special. So bye. yes, bye. Cause we do too, since we're a little over time, enjoy safe travels. Cause yeah. have a good night. I'm so we'll glad you could join us. See you in the Twitter first. Yes. And uh, I just wanted to say in terms of affirmations that I'm incredibly grateful for everyone who has been um, 
and all for the emergency responders and everyone who has been helping to prepare uh, the folks for the storms, as well as the emergency responders that uh, so valiantly uh, stepped forward in the tragedy that happened 17 years ago in the U.S. Um, yesterday that there were lots of tributes to um, them and I just wanted to put give a shout out to the emergency responders because they really help us um, make tragedy um, and make and survive uh, tragedy to come out through the other side. Um, so thankful for them. You know, and it, yeah, it was funny because last <laughs> night I had a conversation with, um, I, he, he, he doesn't like being called a first responder, this guy. He's mm -hmm. an AEMT, I think is, is what his initials were. And he was saying that, you know, he wasn't, he, he didn't go to the site right away. He heard it, went to his uh, squad, and went down. And he, he, he was there for a lot of everything that was going on. And he said he had not, he's not been able to go back. And, you know, it, it's funny, but I have not been able to go back either. When I was a volunteer there, and it was a couple weeks later, but I knew how he felt. You know, there was such a sense of loss and destruction and everything that, that I, with what I saw, that seeing it the way it was and going back now, just, it, it, I don't know, I just couldn't do it. I can't do it. And my, my son tells me I'm crazy, and I have a friend whose name is on that wall that would be real nice to get a sketch, you know, to how you take the, the pencil and paper and sketch over their name. Um, I, but I just haven't been able to do that. And so I, I understand. And, you know, somebody who goes in like the way he did, I kept telling him, he said, the fact that you went there, the fact that you got there, you were able to help people. And there were people that needed help when you were there. It wasn't right. just the, the people that were gone. And uh, I, he said, I said, so you did do something. You should be proud of what you did. You shouldn't be putting yourself down for that. Mm -hmm. so. Yes, and Kenzie, we, as um, you may see, um, Kenzie said, well, which was very kind, I hate whenever this podcast ends, what am I going to do when it's over? Thank you, Kenzie. We feel the same way. It's so nice to have our little fun time. Um, but going into a more serious note, she was only four at the time when this happened, so she didn't fully understand um, what had gone on. Um, but she's cried many times watching the videos and the horror those people went through and the jumpers, she just couldn't imagine. And um, I shared with Kenzie, that you actually were in New York City. You you had worked in New York and had lived in New York State um, for many many years, and you were there yes, um, and was. had very very personal um, yeah I personal was, memories and yeah. and personal losses that day. I um, my friend uh, a former coworker uh, he was on the hundred and fourth floor when the planes hit and uh, a couple weeks later the church I belonged to we were asked if we would like to volunteer and I immediately put my name in and we were stationed at uh, Trinity around Trinity Church it was the chapel just down the street 
um, we were we had to be there a full day we got in there around 7 in the morning and we didn't leave until 7 at night you did 12 hour shifts I we mm-hmm. walked in we were uh, all ID'd by National Guard's people in two mm-hmm. different spots even before we got to where we were supposed to be um, we were told at our orientation to be happy to be to li- be able to listen um, if there were people there that felt that they needed a hug give them a hug mm-hmm. they probably did need it um, we were not allowed to accept any food that were donate that was donated uh, the state or the city of New York wanted to make sure that all the food was um, prepared properly and kept certain temperatures so all right. hotels in Manhattan uh, all made food for the different volunteer sites and, and, and we had these big warming things where we would keep the food and then I learned how to keep food at the proper temperature um, mm-hmm. in a chafe outside, outdoors in a chafing dish by putting tin foil around the sterno portions to keep the heat in and then mm-hmm. um, you know and it was the people that came in there were policemen, there were firemen uh, National Guard uh, that would come in to eat and I remember one fireman in particular, he came in, didn't talk to anybody, he took his food, he sat down and wolfed it down and then went um, went in. Uh, no, Kenzie, I, I was fortunate. The day that I was there, uh, it was damp and sort of rain, not raining hard, but raining, so it kept the dust down. We did have to wear masks while we were there, mm-hmm. but it was like a painter's mask that you could get at Home Depot. Um, I am on I am on the list, the health list that Peter King is still is trying yeah. to have an extension put on because there's so many people that are getting sick now. Um, right. So yeah. Because um, this is the time. It's usually it's not it's not usually immediately. It's a longer latent latency period. So. Yes. Um, it's, yeah, uh, so but yeah, so it was interesting. It was. Uh, I did see. I was actually at the pit. Um, uh, we were, my friend Betty uh, and I had walked down to another volunteer site through the through the area and saw a lot of the damage um, to the buildings, uh, the the pile with the red mm-hmm. buckets all over the place. Um, there was, we coming back. There was a, a whistle blowing and all these golf carts and you know four by fours were running into the area. Because they had just found 16 of the 343 firemen that had died in the in the in the collapse. Um, mm. We uh, so we I Betty Betty was is a uh, Episcopal priest, so she went up with this other person we were with. It was a rabbi, and he went up to the the pit just to say whatever prayers there were. Right. Um, you know, it, just the prayers for the dead. And then um, we walked back, and it was just, you know, we were by the morgue. They were, and it was touching because they would bring out these buckets. Um, I called them a bucket, but they're like a cage. And they weren't, they weren't real big bodies in them. There were pieces, basically. But mm-hmm. they were all flag draped. And the firemen and the policemen formed a color guard and helped put it into the ambulance that was taking them 
to the morgue where families could go, where they could be identified and families could go pick up the remains. Um, there's a cross, I understand, that's in the museum now of, of these iron girders that fell and they look like a cross. And when I saw it, it was still in the building that it fell into. Um, there was... Um, mm. The one thing, and one thing that really got me was the uh, parking garages around there, where you could see the cars and the cars. You didn't know what the color of the car was, what make or model the car was, because it was full of dust. So it was just covered like yeah. with a sheet of, of, of dust. dust. Yeah, uh, the tree behind the chapel that we were in was full of um, paper curtains. Mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of all kinds of debris that had fallen, um, but not one window at the chapel I was in, or the up at Trinity Church, which was up on Mall a little bit, uh, where it was damaged by anything. Mm -hmm. um, there was dust on on the yeah. in the graveyard, but that was about it. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it's remarkable. An amazing day. I remember coming home and taking my shoes off, my, the sneakers I wore, putting them in a box and putting the box away because I just couldn't wear them again. I don't blame just, you. I just, and, you know, just I felt disrespectful walking anywhere else with them on. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, that is my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, as I wrote, I said, there, this is another chapter, one that would be quite solemn for your book, Pam. So... Yet again, more more fodder for your uh, for your story, um, <laughs> and you have many stories to tell. So, uh, on on that note, I just wanted to thank you guys for joining us, Joni. I'm glad you could join us, even though I know you were frustrated. You were a little late. You can always listen to us on the rebroadcast, um, and you can hear about Pam's adventures in Toronto. And uh, Kenzie, I'm so glad you join us. You, your energy and enthusiasm about SR just makes me smile because I think we all feel the same way. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm looking forward to Chapter 27. Yes. And we will have and that next that, week. And yes. Yes. Wednesday, so. Yes. Absolutely. And and one program note that I wanted to mention that I didn't even get to mention to you, Pam. Um, on the 26th of September, we are going to have to not have our podcast. Okay. But I thought uh, we will be able to, we'll, we'll be off for that day, but hopefully have uh, an alternate day um, or just skip it for the next week. But I have, uh, I have a work event that okay. I need to attend. So nothing, nothing terrible but um this is one that i think i'd be pushed in if i tried to get on the podcast yeah, no, that's since i'm helping to organize something so that's fine. so but next week we'll be here and yes we will so yes Kenzie, good night good night and i'm gonna leave everybody with come away with me from nora jones Oh, I love this song. Enjoy, everyone. Have a great week and take care. Come away with me on a bus 
Come away 